You're listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. I'm Garrett Ashley Mullet, and I want to talk about everything. America has always been a nation with a novel view of humanity and a distinctive, if often unconsciously assumed, philosophy of reality. As Michael Hanby has recently argued, it is a nation that created itself, that defined itself, not so much by continuity with a past, but by overcoming and breaking with the past. Its identity lay in freedom, and freedom defined by that historical break and by the pushing forward of the Western frontier. Now, as the most technologically sophisticated nation on the planet, its pioneer imagination is fueled with visions of the crossing of new frontiers and of breaking even more radically with the past. After all, what is abortion if not a shattering of the authority of past actions? What is transgenderism, if not the crossing of that most imperious boundary, the biologically determined body? Notice how the language of dehumanization is used today. To raise questions about gay marriage is to dehumanize gay couples. To query the wisdom of transgender hormone treatment for young children is to dehumanize trans people. The logic at work here is obvious. To tell people that what they might be thinking or doing is wrong denies that they are human. That assumes a definition of humanity tied to the unbridled freedom of the individual to do or be whatever they choose. This is the divide that is devouring the social coherence of the West in general and America in particular. We don't simply disagree on tax policy. We no longer agree on what it means to be human. As Peter Singer, the radical Princeton ethicist, makes clear in his arguments for infanticide, the question of whether human beings are made in the image of God or not is decisive for the question of what it means to be human and for all ethical questions that are implied by that. The political divide over abortion rests upon a much deeper philosophical divide over what it means to be human, and that divide has significance well beyond the status of the child in the womb. Welcome back to the Garrett Ashley Mullet Show. This is Garrett Ashley Mullet coming to you from Greeley, Colorado for episode 283 of this podcast. And that was a little excerpt from an article by Carl R. Truman in World Magazine, Dueling Ideas of Reality, published December 20th, 2021. Check it out. I'll throw a link into the description for this podcast episode. Thank you to J.P. Chavez for sharing that article with me. Carl Truman is right, of course. There is a deep philosophical, metaphysical divide as to the question of what it means to be human at the heart of not just abortion, but the LGBTQ debate. And really, most every debate comes down to a fundamental difference in our foundations. Are we created in God's image? Yes or no? If not, then the implications are clear. We create meaning. We decide what is right and wrong. It's up to us to be accountable to ourselves, 
to be our best selves. But if we are created in God's image, then we live for him and we're accountable to him. And therefore, it naturally follows that we have to take into account what can be expected in terms of that accountability. What has God said in the past that he is for and against? What has he told us is right and wrong? What has he commanded and forbidden? That becomes the basis for how we decide what to do moving forward if we are created in God's image. And of course, I believe that we are created in God's image and it naturally follows that I am opposed to the things which I read in his word. God prohibits, God forbids. God says, thou shalt not murder. And I don't believe that I'm made righteous by keeping that commandment. But I do believe that in light of the fact that I've been given grace, I have a responsibility to not transgress that commandment, to not trample on the grace that's been so freely given to me. So check out the rest of this article. It's good stuff. Might put a little bit of a pep in your step to realize that the disagreement from the left really does come down to if you tell me that I'm doing something wrong, thinking something wrong, I'm saying something wrong, you're dehumanizing me. On the conservative side of the equation, we take for granted that we are not always correct, that we are not always right. That is not a bug, it's a feature of humanity in a fallen world that we have to be willing to face that we might be wrong about some things. We have to be willing to tell one another that we might be wrong about some things. We have to be able to be critical in order to choose what is best, to choose what is right, and to reject what it is that is evil, because there is such a thing as evil. Interestingly enough, where the other side of the political divide, the metaphysical divide in this country, contradicts itself, it would seem, is by saying, it's wrong for you to tell us that we're wrong on anything yet. That dehumanizes us. And yet, if they find an endless variety of ways to tell conservatives that we're wrong, well, that's a different story. That's not dehumanizing. That is quite the opposite. That's the way to make us the most human we can be, is by telling us that we are wrong as conservatives for holding to these outdated notions of God and what it means to be human and why are we here and what's our purpose and how should we interact with one another. It's not dehumanizing to tell us that we're wrong, but it is dehumanizing somehow for us to tell others that they are wrong. Go figure. On another note, and this is what I'd like to spend the remainder of this episode talking about, my boys and I ordered pizza last night and watched Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. We rented it. I was very tickled to be able to watch it with them. It was a Marvel superhero flick, which I knew nothing about, uh, except that it existed. I knew that the movie existed, but I didn't know anything about it, good or bad. And we watched it while my wife and my daughter were at a birthday party for 
Maggie Bergman. Maggie Bergman, happy birthday. She turned 10 years old, had a bunch of girls over. My daughter was one of them. Very excited to go to that, she was. And that meant that it was just us boys, just us men, just us males. And so I got a brainwave about an hour and a half before Lauren and Evelyn were going to go to the party. And it occurred to me for some reason, which escapes me at the moment, that a solution to my office being a tad overcrowded with computers, children, my wife coming in and out, and my starting training on the systems integration gig this coming Monday, perhaps I should do something to engineer my way out of frustration, my family's way out of frustration. And so I had the boys carry up the books for four bookshelves. Four bookshelves were in our library on the main floor, as we called it. We're going to have to call it something else now because it is no longer a library, really, truly. It's almost a second dining room, or maybe we'll call it a school room, a sewing room. I don't know. I don't know what we'll call it. But I had my boys carry up the books for four bookshelves, and then I proceeded to carry up those four bookshelves, and I had my boys take down the computers, white mullet and red mullet, as we call them, because the tower for one of them is white, and the tower for the other one is black and red, but my computer has a black tower, so I call it black mullet, imaginatively enough, and rather than calling the children's uh, school computer black and red mullet, since that's not exactly concise, we just call it red mullet. But I had my boys take the desks downstairs and the computers downstairs and bring the books upstairs, and we swapped places. So now those bookshelves that were downstairs are in my office, and I think they look rather smart. There's some organizing that needs to happen, sorting books by subject and topic and whatnot. But I think the bookshelves in general look very smart in my office. And when I start my new job as a systems integrator on this coming Monday after Christmas, I won't be frustrating my wife and children when the kids need to do their math or when Lauren needs to jump, to jump on the computer and print something off or she needs to check on something or she needs to do something for sewing. I, I won't be frustrating them as they're trying to do things during the day while I'm working. And in turn, I won't be as frustrated as I'm trying to focus and concentrate. I've got the family coming in and out and in and out. So I think it's going to be a win-win I think it's a, a good call. I do think I may have sprained my wrist in the course of things, carrying up these shelves awkwardly because I woke up this morning and my wrist is just not happy. My left-hand wrist is just not happy with me. But all of us, I would say, slept well last night from the task of rearranging. And part of how we celebrated... Part of how we enjoyed 
the fruits of our labors was that I ordered some pizza and we watched Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. And it was actually pretty good in terms of Marvel superhero movies. It was one. It is one. It's one of the Marvel superhero universe uh, films. Uh, I enjoyed it. I would say my boys enjoyed it. It was uh, fairly heavy on the kung fu and martial arts. And I like martial arts movies. I enjoy martial arts. I think there's something just uh, awe-inspiring about the grace and strength and uh, strategy inherent to martial arts. When someone is a master of a martial art, it is a thing of beauty. And um, I enjoy watching martial arts movies. This one happens to throw in a bit of a supernatural element as well. And to back up, for those of you familiar with the Marvel superhero universe, Marvel universe, uh, superheroes and whatnot, in Iron Man 2, there is a character by the name of the Mandarin. And the Mandarin is a terrorist leader who has it out for Tony Stark. He's coming for Tony Stark. He's coming for Iron Man. He is going to get him. And by the end of the film, obviously... Tony Stark slash Iron Man has survived and prevailed and endured and come to find out the Mandarin is not really the Mandarin. It would appear he is an actor. He's just an actor. He was propped up, put up in place of the real Mandarin to be a kind of front man or something. And so then you find that the whole story, the whole Marvel Universe goes on from there. It was a little speed bump. It was a little footnote. And then you come to 2021, and this movie is made. And the Mandarin, who wasn't really the Mandarin, he was an actor, shows himself, uh, shows up again. And he is a prisoner of the real Mandarin the leader of the Ten Rings, which is this criminal organization or League of Assassins or, or what have you, this kind of transnational shadow organization. The real leader of the Ten Rings keeps that actor hostage. And it turns out further that the leader of the Ten Rings has a son and a daughter who have been trained, who have been raised to be masters of martial arts. And they're not exactly on the best of terms, the father with his son and his daughter. They're not exactly simpatico. And I don't want to give too much away. I would recommend watching the movie. But long and short of it, it is very interesting to me putting spoilers aside 
the movie opens with a lot of extended backstory dialogue in Chinese. So then you're, as an English-speaking person, you're reading the English subtitles, but you're hearing Chinese. And there's quite a lot of Chinese dialogue throughout the movie. Past the first opening scenes, there's not as much. It's far more English, uh, mostly English. But that early imprinting of Chinese spoken English subtitles was very interesting to me. And I found myself watching and wondering what was the conversation like? What were the conversations like at Disney, at Marvel, in the entertainment industry with regards to how to make this movie marketable in China? Disney wants that Chinese market It's a massive, major revenue stream for a lot of Western companies, Western corporations. And what compromises did they have to make along the way as they saw it in order for for this to be a film that could be seen in China or would be successful in China, that the Chinese Communist Party, the ruling party in China, would permit it in China? Looking up Wikipedia, as I was just trying to explore this a little bit, I scroll down to the section in the article for Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings under the heading Release Theatrical. And the third paragraph in that section reads as follows. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings was previously scheduled to be released on February 12th, 2021, the first day of the Chinese New Year, before it was shifted to May 7th and then to July 9th, delayed due to the COVID pandemic. The film shifted once again in March 2021 to the September 2021 date after Black Widow was moved to the July 9th release date. In May 2021, a Chinese state media report excluded Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings, as well as Eternals, from its list of upcoming MCU films releasing, which Variety noted added to rumors that the film would not be released in China. In September 2021, Deadline Hollywood reported that a theatrical release in China was unlikely due to comments Liu made in an interview with the CBC in 2017, referencing negative comments from his parents about living in China. Despite this, by early October, Disney still listed the film's release in China as to be determined. Now, I look at this, and I pay special attention within that paragraph to the second-to-last sentence. In September 2021, Deadline Hollywood reported that a theatrical release in China was unlikely due to comments Liu made in an interview with the CBC in 2017, referencing negative comments from his parents about living in China. Liu is the main lead 
actor, the star. Simu Liu plays Sean or Shang-Chi. Liu, the lead actor, made some comments in an interview in 2017 referencing negative comments his parents had made about living in China. Yes, the main star of the show, of this movie, not in the movie, mind you, four years ago, was doing an interview where he referenced his parents having made some negative comments about living in China. And the Chinese Communist Party decided, no, we can't, we can't tolerate that. We can't reward that. You can't release this film in China because of that. Because it's a rabbit hole, right? The better the movie is, the more successful it might be commercially, socially, in China, the more the profile of Simu Liu might be elevated, might be raised. And if that were to happen, he might do additional interviews. And he might say that his parents had other negative things to say. I haven't looked up the interview that he did with the CBC but at least as presented in the Wikipedia article, all he did was reference negative comments his parents had made. So it's not even his negative comments, it's his parents' negative comments, but he's going to be punished for that. In fact, everyone associated with him is going to be punished for that. Disney, Marvel Studios are going to be punished by association we can't have your film being a box office success, being wildly popular in China, because it might draw attention to the star of the movie, rightfully so, and that in turn might elevate his profile. People might want to know what he thinks about China. They might ask him questions, and we know that he's not the sort of good Chinese we want being famous, being asked questions, so we're going to nip this in the bud. We're going to early on terminate any possibility that this is going to be a success in China by just not allowing it to be shown in China. And again, I don't know what comments Simu Liu made about China. Presumably, they were negative comments about the communist influence in China, what communism had done to China. But I just want to highlight for you how concerning it is that that might be a influencing factor in major American corporations either employing or not employing certain people, making or not making certain content. We have major American corporations operating on the will and whim of the Chinese Communist Party because it's lucrative. Because the consequences of not are that they might be shut out of the Chinese market. For that matter, at a recent democracy summit, which was conspicuous for who was invited and who was not invited, Taiwan had the goal of showing a map, displaying a map, 
during the conference. Screen share, we're going to show a map of East Asia, which presents Taiwan as a different color than mainland China, implying ever so subtly that we are a separate country. We are our own country. And the Biden administration cut the feed because that might provoke China. We are in very real trouble. That tells me we are in very real trouble. A whole country gets canceled because they dare to say that they are their own separate country when China doesn't want them to. Think about that. That's highly disturbing. It is interesting to me, not that I am as aware of Chinese mythology as I'd like to be. I'd like to have a better awareness of it. Traditional Chinese views and culture. I've learned a lot in reading James Clavell's Asian Saga. I've learned a lot in playing Three Kingdoms, Total War Three Kingdoms, about the Three Kingdoms period. But watching a movie like Shang-Chi really does make me wonder what would China be like if not for Mao's cultural revolution? I'm not saying that China would be a place that we could celebrate and affirm in all ways any more than, let's say, Scandinavia. You know, I watched this trailer for the Northmen yesterday with my son, my oldest son, Josiah. And, of course, as you would imagine, as you might imagine, The Northman is a movie about Vikings. It's a Viking tale, revenge story. The prince witnesses his father being murdered by his uncle. His uncle then takes the throne and takes his mother. The prince has to run off, kind of like Lion King, grows up to be a man, and he is going to avenge his father. He's going to save his mother. He's going to kill his uncle and reclaim his throne. And it wasn't a long trailer, and it didn't give away a whole lot, but having studied the Vikings and Scandinavia and the Norse worldview a bit, Children of Ash and Elm was helpful in that regard, by the way, you can't miss that there are some pagan religious themes in the film. You have what appears to be some kind of a witch instructing the main character, it would seem. Some dark imagery there that appears to be a nod to Norse paganism. And that's to be expected. And one could wonder what Europe would be like if not for the Christianizing of the Norse, the Northmen. Not all of them became Christians. And now I would say a lot of Scandinavia is not even nominally Christian. They're secular or perhaps revisiting some of the pagan themes of a thousand years ago. 
But it is interesting from a scientific standpoint, from an anthropological standpoint, from a historical standpoint, to wonder what would Scandinavia be like if their paganism, their Norse mythology, their Viking ways had carried forward undeterred. What would China be like if not for communism? And I think we see in some measure breaking through in movies like Shang-Chi elements of that. I think we see breaking through a nod to older traditional Chinese cosmology and metaphysics. Speaking of Carl Truman and a major disagreement over metaphysics and philosophy, there's obviously a metaphysical and philosophical difference between Simu Liu's parents, at least, and the Chinese Communist Party. The Chinese Communist Party doesn't like their philosophy, and it would appear, reading between the lines, that they don't like the Chinese Communist Party's philosophy. There is not a simpatico relationship there. And the question should be asked, how far are American companies willing to do the dirty work of the Chinese Communist Party in self-censoring? How much are American companies willing to censor Chinese persons abroad? At a certain point, to get that money, if you're willing to silence all dissent, all criticism, even second-hand, third-hand criticism, well then, the Chinese Communist Party has already conquered the world, haven't they? We can't do that. We can't go along with that. We can't affirm that. It's not all right. I think it is all the more important that we understand truth in light of God's word, because of the very real prospect of being propagandized by not just the left in this country, but the left across the pond, across the ocean. The Chinese Communist Party has, perhaps much longer than we've realized, been influencing what movies can and cannot be made, how movies are made, who is going to be very involved in the making of these movies. We need to know what we're about. We need to know what it is that we believe. Raya and the Last Dragon would be another example of a film that really explores Chinese philosophy and Chinese cosmology. My children have watched Raya and the Last Dragon, and I did a podcast episode about that a while back, exploring that a bit further. But one can't help but wonder, even without a movie that is explicitly Chinese in its outlook, in its expression, what is and is not being made possibly because it might cause problems for the parent company doing business in China something to think about. I've got to run though. I need to get my lunch together, get my coffee in the travel mug, 
get some FRC on. I am going out with some maintenance personnel today, hopefully for the next couple of days, doing some work in the field. I would just, I'll leave you with this. I would check out Shang-Chi. The fact that it was made with the star that it was, hopefully is a good sign. They made it anyways. I would check it out. If you are into Marvel superhero movies, it's not a bad film. It's pretty good as far as superhero flicks go. But as always, thank you for listening. Until next time, God bless. You've been listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. For more content like what you just heard, subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Also check out thegarrettashleymulletshow.com to subscribe to email alerts when new episodes are published. As always, you can reach me with any comments, questions, complaints, objections, or insights at garrettashleymullet at protonmail.com. Thank you.